So the guest that I have on today is Lindsay Gass. Lindsay is 23 years old and is from, how do I pronounce this? Syracuse? Syracuse. Oh, yeah. Syracuse. Totally butchered that. <laughs> Syracuse, New York. How far is that away from um, like Manhattan? About like six, seven hours. Oh, wow. It's like smack dab in the middle of like upstate New York. Okay. So all the way up. Tucked away in the corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of like where I live, away from the big city life in, in California. And okay. you're a certified occupational therapy assistant and currently in school to obtain your master's degree right on in occupational therapy at Utica University. And her passion is working in geriatrics and mental health. Really, really cool. So, Lindsay, thank you so much for being on the podcast. So, first question I want to ask, which I generally ask everybody, is how did you find OT? How did OT find you? I guess it's often the case, too. Well, I always knew that I wanted to work in the healthcare field of some sort, but I didn't know, like, what my exact calling was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, a little backstory, I joined my local fire department um, when, I was, when I turned 16. And I went on various medical rescue and fire calls. And this helped me discover and fuel my passion of helping others. And when I turned 18, actually, I took the course to become a certified emergency medical responder. Mm. It's like one step below an EMT. And uh -huh. I absolutely loved it. So, but I just wanted more of like a connection with my patients that I was working with because it's more of a, okay, what's wrong? Get on the stretcher, bring you to the hospital, and I don't know what happened after that. Yeah. So I just wanted a little something more out of it. So after high school, joining the fire department, um, I was fortunate enough to receive a two-year scholarship to a local community college. Mm, awesome. Um, I had no clue what I was going to do, so <laughs> I just did um, general, like, prereqs. And my amazing student advisor at the time at this college was telling me more about their OTA program ah. and suggested that I take the prerequisites and apply to be in the second cohort the following fall semester because I had just missed like being in the first cohort. Mm -hmm. um, I was super excited and she told me more about the OTA profession and what occupational therapy was altogether. So I took her advice and I took all of the prereqs required for this program to make my life a little bit easier during the actual program. Yeah. But I did more research and I learned that they weren't accredited by the NBCOT yet. Oh. And that just made me a little bit nervous because it was a new program. Yeah. But I knew I still wanted to do OT. Mm -hmm. So I transferred to Fry and Stratton College, which is also in Syracuse. And... I did their OTA program instead. Mm -hmm. um, I loved every second of OTA school, like, you know, besides the studying, the exams, not Sure, stop. yeah, yeah. But I love my fieldwork experiences, and I actually received a job offer from one of my level two fieldwork sites. Oh, And cool. I worked there as an OTA after I graduated. So it all worked out for the better, and I'm so glad that fate yeah, brought me to out. that college and brought me to the OT profession. And what setting was it that you did that field work and got your uh, first job offer for? Yeah. It was a skilled nursing facility with uh -huh. a short-term rehab floor, um, a brain injury unit, and a long-term care floor. Oh, really cool. And do you still work there now, or are you just uh, full-time as a student? Uh, I'm a full-time student, and... Um, I was going to work there and try to go to college at the same time, but I asked if I could go per diem or part-time, and unfortunately, I don't know why, but they didn't allow me to do that, and I yeah. knew full-time was still going to be too much for oh, me, Oh, yeah. That's, I don't know if anybody, some people probably do that. I don't know. Is that even possible, actually? It's like 40 hours of work, right? It'd be tough. Mm -hmm. Maybe... And especially since OT doesn't do like night shifts, so it's not like you can like yeah. be a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So where are you at in school right now? And um, like, what are you taking? Um, right now, I'm in my 500 level classes. 
So we're taking, um, we're doing adolescent and young adult right now. Um, so right now we're actually on the mental health unit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, just learning all the basics like stroke, um, CBAs, just learning the basics about what these diagnoses are and what we can do to help these clients. Right. And all the basics like theory, what is OT, which is kind of a refresher for me. <laughs> Yeah. But it's kind of good, though, because I can help some of my other classmates who are might be having a little bit of difficulty in these classes. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool that you had some exposure to it. And like, it's like a refresher because like, even for myself, like I find myself like forgetting stuff all the time, like especially after oh, I yeah. took the NBCOT. And how was the NBCOT for you? Was it tough? Like studying and passing? Um, so I was actually the first one of my OTA cohort to take it. Uh -huh. Um. I just wanted to get it over with, and I didn't want to waste too much time in between graduating and yeah. then taking it. So I took it like a month after I graduated. That's not and too quick. I passed it my first time with like right flying on. colors, and it was such a huge like relief off my shoulders. And the job that I like was offered from my fieldwork site. They were waiting on me to take the MPCOT exam so that yeah. I could start working. And I just wanted to start working as soon as I could because I was just so excited. Oh, so yeah. I took the board exam as soon as I could. That's so interesting, your story hearing it so far. It's like very, very similar to mine. Just like you're like the really? East Coast version. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was an EMT and I was like, <coughs> excuse me, looking into healthcare, didn't know what I wanted to do. And I kind of fell into it. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I went kind of applied to like one school and I got in and thankfully like fingers crossed and I didn't do that because I, know, I was like right? super like like confident I did that because I was like super like last minute and I missed like all the other deadlines <laughs> and I got into Dominican University in California so yeah and then like similarly field work I got a job offer and they're like hey you passed the boards yet and I'm like uh it's only been like a couple of weeks like I you know I need to study and like I don't want to yeah, so very similar. But one difference and between Lindsay and I is I didn't go back to school for OT, which is a really great thing. A lot of actually OTAs go back to school and pursue their OTR. So what made you decide to do that? I was working as a COTA in a skilled nursing facility and I absolutely loved working there. I had such amazing coworkers who shared like their experiences with me and they helped me become an even even better like entry level OTA mm -hmm. and I would always admire them and like their evaluation process and like I wish I could do the same so that way I could like follow each client from like the eval to like discharge yeah huh. uh-huh I mean I still did as an OTA but like sometimes I would be like assigned to other like clients and I didn't get to see them all the way through because there was just so many like clients that needed to be seen yeah. Um, I also wanted to expand my knowledge so that I could like better serve and treat this population that I was so passionate about. And right. you can honestly never stop like learning and bettering yourself for the sake like of our clients. Yeah, that's a really good attitude. And you know, that's like how things work with like our practice too. Like even though a lot of our practices are grounded in like a lot of things from like the theory from a long time ago, we have a lot of like new ways of living life like meaningful lives like smartphones probably weren't around when moho was created or something you know no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah how otas i like i knew that they couldn't like follow but like that's a really interesting like perspective how like you kind of don't get to see patient from eval all the way to discharge and like hearing about it and that's one of the cool things i think about being a healthcare provider is just like seeing the progression and it's like you see fragments of that even as a regular OT and like OTR, but like I guess that's really interesting because like, and you had like you guess you just asked like OTRs like how are they doing and it's just not the same. Yeah, or like during rounds, I'm like oh like that's how they're doing now because like I would get so attached and like <laughs> wanting to see these clients succeed, but then like another OTA would like call out one day or like have mm -hmm. an appointment and I would get put like their clients on my caseload and then some of mine would be pushed to like another OTA. So like I would have like different like clients, not like every day, but like sometimes mm -hmm. I wouldn't see them for a couple days. Yeah. And another OTA or OT would see them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. And it's 
it's cause that's the flex goes with the flexibility of OT in like you have to be able to be flexible in how you work with patients and you never know what the next day is going to be like. Like I've had yeah. times where like I think about in the shower, like, oh, I'm going to do this treatment with this patient. And then like I show up to work and like they've been discharged, transferred out, or they're assigned to another therapist or whatever. Like, so, and it's also kind of fun too, I think, cause like you never know what you're going to get to at the same time. It's like, oh, I guess I'll be uh, working on this unit or something. So so you oh, yeah. worked. You never knew. Yeah. T- so tell me about mental health. Was there like aspects of that that you worked with in terms of in your setting? Um. So yes. Um. Since I've only have worked in OT, like in the geriatric field, um, my job was to like address the goals that like my supervising OT had like written. Yeah. And. I feel like sometimes it was just so focused on like can they dress themselves like can they bed mobility in and out of bed and like no one was really like focusing on like how like they were doing like mentally and that made me like kind of upset sometimes because you would see them just like sitting in the common area or Mm -hmm. like in the rooms and some of these patients can't care for themselves or like complete functional mobility by themselves so like they don't have many options on what they can do but like when therapy staff would like come in the rooms or say oh, okay it's time for therapy like you can just see like their mood instantly like would get better and they were just so excited to like have some interaction and yeah just do something and unfortunately like during my time as an OTA at this facility it was during COVID. So oh. like they weren't able to like socialize and get out of their rooms. And I did work on the COVID unit for a little while. And that was absolutely heartbreaking for me because I couldn't, they didn't even have like their phones in their rooms. Like there was wow. just a bare room and because nothing come in, nothing come out, contamination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I probably shouldn't have, but I would sneak in like the nursing cell phone and have like a system and calling their loved ones. And I would sanitize it after, but like it would yeah. just make their day. And I feel like nobody really thinks about that. Sometimes right. you just get so busy and just making sure they're like, what can they do and fed, eat, bathe, that like no one really sits down and thinks about how they're like doing actually like mentally. Yeah. And that's honestly what I want to work with. In this population and i just can't wait to graduate and <laughs> continue doing that well that's totally true and i'm starting to hear a lot of these stories too like as i have guests on who worked on COVID units and were students or whatever and it's like a lot of these same challenges that patients face like socializing and communication and the mental health and it's like i think that's probably as it can really see the value that OT can provide from like our, our perspective. And just, I think that's why OT is so cool. Like we see all these things and we have all these ideas for these things and we get like really excited about how we can provide these ideas really. And I think we probably gain a lot of like learning lessons and a lot of research will probably come out in, you know, whenever something like this happens again, like second pandemic or if this one will ever end, you know, We'll be ready, yeah. I think. A lot of these lessons that we can carry over so it'll benefit the patients. And I think a lot of it's important to like hear the patient's experience too, you know, like they're the ones who went through it. And yeah, totally. It's definitely was heartbreaking even for me as I had a very similar experience seeing that. So I'd like to ask, how are things in OT school now? You said you can't wait to graduate. So is it going real smoothly compared to like OTA? A little bit harder? Like... What do you think? Um, honestly, things are like going pretty great right now. Um, it's definitely like a good refresher while starting to learn the domain of OT as compared to the domain of like OTA. Mm-hmm. Um, my classmates and I are all taking 19 credits this semester and I have honestly never taken that many like credits at once. So it's definitely like kind of a, a shock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And a bit overwhelming at times. Like my life consists of going to class, doing homework all night, and then just repeating and <laughs> trying to squeeze work in there somehow. Um, it's definitely hard sometimes, but I genuinely 
really enjoy learning about occupational therapy. Like I'm excited to go to class instead of just going to like pre-calc or yeah. English or whatever. I just wasn't really excited about that in the beginning of my college career. Same. But now <laughs> yeah. that it's the field and now that it's the field that like I'm super passionate about, like I'm excited to go and sit in class. Yeah. I think that's that's really a cool thing, especially for people who find like pre OT or like are in those bridge programs. It's like I my guess would probably be that those students are like much more excited about their classes because I think it's so like you can like visualize it. It's like you see yourself doing those things compared to like other more like obscure classes that you're probably like never gonna use in, you know, yeah. your real like day to day. Like like I'm not going to use pre-calc or like any of the math classes I took. Like, honestly, I'm not going to use those, but yeah, yeah, it's definitely one interesting um, insight. What would you say, I guess the difference is if you have any ideas or insights into OTA and OTR, cause you're, you've been, you're going through both and like, how would you compare it? And what would you say to like the audience who's listening and maybe thinking about going back to school for OTR as a CODA or something? So, one big difference that I have noticed is that I don't know if it's just the differences between schools, but they just kind of just jumped right in. Like, okay, first day, here's CPA patients and here's what you do with them. And all my classmates were like, whoa. Uh -huh. I feel like with OTA school, because during OTA school, you're taking like the prereqs and OTA classes at the same time. Yeah. So it's more of like a gradual, like, lead into occupational therapy mm -hmm. and i feel like another difference is in ota school we learned more about the roles of ota versus ot's mm -hmm. and the different types of supervision um because in ot school so far we haven't talked about otas like at all to be honest yeah and yeah. what their role is in the therapy process but i think it's very interesting because the other day actually one of my classmates was like I wouldn't even know what an OTA is if it weren't for you, Lindsay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and guys have like a professional issue? We, ours was called like professional development or professional issues or something like that. Do you have a class like that that you're supposed to take or required to take that talks about like ethics and OTA versus OTR stuff? We, we do have an ethics class, but I'm pretty sure that's next semester. Mm -hmm. um, we have an interprofessional education class that we had to take this semester so we were we learned with like taking um learned with working with pts ptas nursing and all of like the other like medical staff cool um which was actually really cool because we were all in like a class together and we learned like how to work together and like what our specific roles were in like the healthcare team i thought that was super interesting and that's something i didn't get to experience in ota school mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's I important. hate to say this, but I think OTA school is a little bit easier. <laughs> Not yeah. because, like, they're less educated or, like, have it easier. I just think it's because, like, I had my prerequisites completed before I started the two-year program. So I just strictly took OTA classes. Yeah. So I wasn't taking, like, A&P, psychology, and all those other prereqs at the same time. Like, all my other classmates were. I see. Yeah, that can be a lot yeah. tougher because, like, I think what it is is, like, we can focus, like, I think our minds, it's, like, easier to, like, think about things, like, and not have to jump around between, like, different things. So that's why yeah. I didn't like, like, undergraduate because it's, like, I'm taking, like, all these, like, seemingly random classes. Whereas OT, like, you could all put it together. Like, at the end of the day, it's, like, oh, even if you're taking, like, PEDS and then, like, adult and geriatrics and they're, like, overlapping and the one's, like, beginning and one's the end, it's, like, it's still kind of, like, makes sense in a way and like you can like wrap around it and your mind kind of just goes with the flow but yeah it's really interesting yeah. so i guess the tip is if you guys can take your prereqs out there before ota yeah, school yeah. do it and then your life will be much easier and you'll pass with flying colors yeah mm -hmm. how about grades the, oh, yeah sorry. i'm sorry <laughs> Go ahead. on the other hand like ot school like the master's portion you get all the prereqs out of your way in undergrad so yeah. the master's portion you're still only taking ot classes but it's just 19 or however credits they're all ot classes so the rigor is still there yeah and the difficulty is just they're more meaningful classes 
yeah, it's just different, I think. But yeah, that that is the key difference. Like the focus, I guess, is the in OTA school, like learning really about the differences in scope versus OTR. It's probably my guess is because OTRs can do the comprehensive, like from beginning to end, and everything under the scope under the sun. So that's probably why they focus less on it, and probably because of the eight code standards that are. OTRs have to learn a lot of things too, like research and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I was getting about grades. So I'm probably gonna guess you did pretty well. So what were what are your grades like? What are some study habits that you have? Like some insights into that? Um, well, I personally strive for all A's, but with taking as many credits as I am at once, and all my other classmates, I feel like it's really hard to like dedicate the time that I like specifically want on like certain classes and studying and assignments. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I just need to be a little less harsh on myself. And if I get lower than an A, I'm still going to pass. So I'm just a C or higher. So I feel like studying should just be as, just be as important as like mental health and self-care during school. But for like studying habits, I feel like they have definitely changed since OTA school. I made a lot of flashcards during (laughs) OTA school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But in OT school, I feel like it's kind of shifted my focus and something that I have really like has really like helped me. And I've learned like halfway through the semester is that I've made like a mini study guide for each unit Mm. like as we go. So that way, like, I have all of the important information that, like, I've collected on this unit. So that way I can use it for, like, the end exam and the midterm. And eventually I'm going to save all of these for the MBCOT exam. So that way I have yeah. like, a mini study guide for, like, CVA, stroke, spinal cord. Um, I still do make flashcards. Sure. <laughs> I feel like I'm never going to get away from flashcards. Yeah. And I feel like I strictly use those for things where I need to know like the exact definition of like visual or disorders like obscure things um, which side of the brain does what what assessment does what or assesses what um but like in these study guides I like do like the assessments for spinal cord the interventions for like spinal cord patients and like which frame of references are normally used in patients with a spinal cord injury and I think I have a little binder of them and they're going to be really useful for me to look back on for exams in school and for the NBCOT exam yeah and in like real world practice too if you ever to like look something up yeah. yeah that's a really cool pro tip I think I did something like that but I wasn't as proactive about it I kind of did it like leading up to exams but no, that's really good yeah. the earlier you do it. I think it really helps your brain like study and learn in a different way that yeah, and, oh, it's meaningful sorry. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so like that way, when you have like a big like midterm coming up, you're not looking back through mm-hmm. all of like your notes and whatnot. You're kind of making that study guide like as you go. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not cramming all for the midterm or the final. And I that has honestly been really like helpful for me so that way i can just start studying instead of going back and finding all this information that i need to study and also one thing that i need to get better at is using like my peers and classmates because Mm. they may have different ways of remembering things or um mnemonics that help them and it's really good to like share things and i feel like it's really easy to get overwhelmed and isolate yourself and just mm-hmm. do all of your homework and study just by yourself and get stuff done. Yeah. But getting out and like studying with other people and seeing like how they like think of things and you can relate to them and talk to them has helped me tremendously. And it provides a little bit of fun and like a little bit of break of studying by yourself all the time. Yeah. It's probably tough too with COVID, like being a student, like I'm just seeing on social media, like, you know, doing, do you, do you, did you do virtual classes at all? So I had just graduated when, from OTA school when COVID had started. Mm. So I was on my last field work when COVID had hit. And so I didn't have any virtual classes, thankfully. So I was working as an OTA and yeah. then went back to school 
when COVID had kind of like died down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. You timed it just right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really. <laughs> yeah. So, tell me about your classmates. So you you mentioned like the isolated studying thing and like how are how would you say the experience is for them? Like, would I guess it's kind of a statistical question, like demographics. <laughs> Are some of them newer and like non OTAs as well in your class? And like what percentage and things like that? Well, like backstory, Unica University, um, they have like one of the only like few bridge programs in like the whole country. Um, there's a couple out there, but there's not many. Like I think it's the only one like in New York. Yeah. Um, so they have a weekend program that is basically just all OTAs right now. So that gives OTAs an opportunity to work during the week still as an OTA and go to class on the weekends. Mm. But they still have the whole course load like during the week that they have to do after work. <laughs> and I was in that program at first, Yeah. but working full time it was just not working out for me. I knew that like I would either need to choose like being an OTA at working still or yeah. choosing school. And I chose school and I'm really glad I did. But another one of my classmates made the switch from the weekend program with like all OTAs basically to the day program with me. Oh. And there's two of us in like the day cohort right now that are OTAs. And all of the rest are like the basic, like transferred in or went here, did their undergrad, and is now doing their masters yeah. in OT. Yeah. So That's... there's two of us in the day program that are <laughs> OTAs, and a bunch of other OTAs are in the weekend program. Yeah. And what would you say the interest areas is like? Um, for us, I think we had a, a split of like mental health, pediatric pediatrics and adults and geriatrics what's like the demographic for you and compared to what you're interested in so in ota school my cohort was mainly interested in like peds and it's kind of the same now in ot school there's a couple people that want adults um i think there's one that wants mental health but a majority of them when we like went around the room first week and said, what are you interested in? Uh -huh. I would say like 90% of them said peds. And, and then there's yeah. me, I, I want geriatrics. <laughs> and I was the only person that said geriatrics actually. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so interesting. And you get all, all sorts of kinds like of interest too. I think that's a cool thing about OTs. You have all these interests, all these areas as well as specialties too, like hand therapy and driver rehab and, you know, assistive tech. So I think that's so the yeah, cool. You can work anywhere. And yeah. You can always change too and continue to learn. And I think that's what I like most about this field is that I'm not stuck in geriatrics. If I have a change of heart down the line, like I yeah. honestly would love to work with like um, on a burn injury unit. That is like my second like passion uh -huh. so i would love to like eventually maybe do that down the line too i just love the flexibility of this profession yeah no that's that's definitely one of the appeals are there any like burn injury centers uh, over there in your area actually i'm not too familiar so in syracuse um one of like the biggest like hospitals in like the upstate like new york area is upstate medical university and they do have um a burn injury unit and that's actually where i'm going for my level two field works next summer is that hospital so hopefully oh. i'll get to go on the burn injury unit a little bit and see what that experience is like really cool is it going to be acute care or uh, is there an inpatient rehab as well or combination so they do have an inpatient um psychiatric center at upstate they have like honestly a little bit of everything at Upstate. It's like the biggest hospital like in this area. It'd be a cool place to work then. <laughs> get, get I'm to very excited. Hope maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After I graduate. No, that's that's really. Yeah, I think that was a cool thing about getting a job in 
even even if you don't start out in the hospital, like working out and like working at skilled nursing, long term care, I think a lot of the populations are the same. You know, like a lot of the long term just goes there. But in the hospital, it's it's just I would say you get a little bit more exposure depending on the setting too. But it's what I'm trying to say is yeah, you get all all sorts of kinds of experiences and like a lot of people just bounce around. Like I've heard of people going from you know. Typically, it's from like sniff going to hospital, but sometimes it's the other way around too. And people, oftentimes, I find like even if they like are really set on like a certain setting, and they just end up like you hearing about it and like on social media or whatever. It's like what they're working in the opposite. <laughs> it's like and they like love it too. It's like that's so funny, you know. And you never would have guessed. You know, like when I did my fieldwork rotation in OTA school with pediatrics. Uh, it was okay. Like I just knew that like my calling wasn't pediatrics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows down the road, I might end up loving kids. But right now, my heart is with the older population of geriatrics. Yeah. Well, what do you like about working with this population? Um, I honestly feel like they're kind of like the forgotten like population, and I love like hearing them. Um, hearing their stories and helping them like engage in like activities that they don't normally have the opportunity to like in, in a facility, mm-hmm. especially like skilled nursing and during COVID and these times where they don't yeah. like them being close and in groups anymore. I think they're slowly getting back to like recreational therapy and like in groups, but oftentimes I feel like they don't get the care that like they deserve. They're just kind of forgotten about and yeah. I honestly think of them all as like if they were my grandpa and grandpa and think like how would I want someone to take care of my grandparents mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. my heart just like aches for them sometimes when I see them like sitting in their rooms alone like I said earlier and unable to like do things for themselves yeah, yeah. Um, when I know that they all have like their own like hobbies and interests and that could like increase their quality of life and just bring them joy but they just crazy like staffing and whatnot they just Mm -hmm. don't have like the opportunity to and sometimes like especially with covid like if they don't have any friends or family that can call and visit like i just want to be there for them and like listen to them like just someone to talk to for them yeah and ot stuff with them but (laughs) it's all of it put together yes we have a term for it the therapeutic use of self right so how we (laughs) use it's like so hard to describe it i think if you're not in ot school but it's like such a and i think ot is one of the few professions that has like such a concept i mean i think a lot of mental health like psychiatric psychology does too but like ot defines it so well how you use the yourself as a means of therapy and Mm -hmm. how you can just help provide meaningful occupations and function to the patient and it's like you just walk into the room and like you said earlier the patient just lights up that's how you know you're using your good therapeutic use of self you know and i know and honestly it makes my day too because like they're so excited to see me and i'm so excited to like they're excited finally and it's just a win-win yeah i just love the stories they honestly they they have the best stories i know right and like (laughs) some crazy stories though sometimes yeah like uh is this true <laughs> yeah this is like so you learn so much i think i think that's one thing i like about ot's i don't see myself as like like the role where i like i teach you or i like rehab you it's just like collaborative and like i learn so much from like my like patients and clients and like they teach me so much about their life experiences and i was like huh actually i had like what was it one i was in like inpatient rehab a patient taught me a new way to tie their shoe with one hand and they they learned it ever since like they were a teenager and like i i was like hey is it okay if i record it i have to find it but it was like so creative and like i i don't think like anyone does it the way that they do it and it's like so like smart it's like wow this is so cool like so and i mean it's not like you don't get that from peds too but like with adults i think it's just such a different perspective and like they're like the way they have been doing things and coping right because they've been doing it for a while so yeah what would you say would be some of the challenges and needs for geriatric population i know this is a really 
broad question, but like just like from what you've seen and what you're hoping and like some of like the things that you see are lacking in geriatric population specifically that OT can address. I think specifically in regards to like going into like a new facility, I feel like the mental health like recognition isn't there because Mm. when you're transitioning to like a new living environment, that is a big change. Like moving from home into skilled nursing, assisted living, or even like um, a geriatric patient moving in with like their family members, like they're getting taken out of like their home environment that they may have lived for like their whole lives and they're being put into a new environment with new people, new like routines, roles. And I feel like no one like, I feel like it's just hard to explain because like their independence is being like sometimes taken away from them. Yeah. They can no longer wake up at the time they want. They have to rely on someone else. And I feel like no one really listens to like that aspect of like their mental health. Like how are they doing like now yeah. in like a new like environment. Right. Um, and sometimes they might never get to go home. Yeah. And I know there's like psychiatrists and other um, mental services health. and stuff. Yes, yeah. that can help them. But sometimes they like to hide their symptoms and yeah. they just keep it to themselves. Um, and sometimes these facilities are understaffed, especially in the times that we're in now with COVID and not mm-hmm. getting paid fairly. So like the people that are still there helping the residents, they're just making sure again that they're fed, bathed, taking their meds and like mm-hmm. oftentimes mental health is just put to the bottom of that list. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like something that needs to be focused a little bit more on. I totally agree with you. I think it's I think it's a kind of a great thing though. Like what I've been noticing just in like I mean definitely in politics. I don't want to get into that, but like Mental health has definitely been more like the surface and more of like the talking point. You know, you hear more about like suicide rates and depression. And I think COVID really kind of accelerated that and just brought that front and center because probably a lot of people who are living functional lives and like, boom, they're working from home or they got laid off or a change of some type of like routine, right? Routines are so big. and, And that even affected like our mental health like so much. Like people like have like, just like maybe like, doing some sort of COVID like policy masking, whatever. It's like so hard already. And it's like, can you imagine like being put into like a totally different environment where you have like no more control, you know? And like, and not only that, you're just like, so kind of like helpless. Like you can't do like basic things like functionally. So of course you're going to have like depression and like be really like happy, anxious, you know, like I think it's having those kinds of experiences and moods and going through those, that pathology is pretty natural for for people and it should be on everybody's like mind like staff and unfortunately yeah like you're saying like it's just not just in skilled nursing but i think across across the board like a lot of settings we have so many shortages people are burning out and so i guess one theme we can probably take away is like just mental health is so important for like everybody (laughs) students practitioners it's like and like it's like I think we've been thinking about it in terms of like this big black box and it's like how do you do mental health like okay let's improve mental health like a lot of people like don't know how to do that you know like me and you probably do because we learned about it in school right yeah and it's even then it's still hard to keep up with it but like how do you do that it's not like you go and exercise and that's like oh that's easy they teach you how to exercise in school like PE but like one thing that's so cool though I think is like in popular culture like even like my kid who's a two-year-old like i watch some of his shows and they learn like mindfulness and stuff and like breathing it's like so cool it's even on like on sesame street yeah like i forget which character but like for example like i think it was like cookie monster he has a cooking like show with gonger and then like they often like are missing like a key ingredient or something right so then like cookie monster you know you will end up like eating like a a very crucial ingredient like a staple ingredient like i don't know like avocados or something for like guac and then like gong will like start freaking out and um cookie monster be like 
okay, okay, breathe, breathe. Let's wait and breathe and stop. I was like, that is so cool. Like, I never learned that. Like, because I watched Sesame Street when I was a kid, you know, they didn't have that. And that's not to say that Sesame Street wasn't like as good back then. It's just like so different now. And like somehow how like the popular culture has adopted this mental health in in schools too, you know, so. I know, I'm so glad it's like finally getting like more recognized both by like society that like mental health is a thing yeah and people do struggle with it so i'm so like that sesame story sesame street story like i didn't even know that that's amazing yeah a lot of kids shows like they touch on topics of like breathing or like stopping and like counting to five and like just like regulating the person who may be like really anxious or whatever and like sad and like these are like real like evidence-based backed like skills like for example like mindfulness-based stress reduction you know calm metacognition breathing like cbt you know there's all these aspects of it that are like you know being published like even as i think kids books have it too like some of these like strategies and stuff so i think it'd be really cool to just like see what my kid learns like i have a two-year-old like in school and like especially when it comes to mental health i think it's it's really cool that i mean it's, it in terms of the more progressive programs i'm not sure like every program's like that like but yeah but definitely in popular culture too and like yeah so um, while on the topic of mental health uh, i guess what are your thoughts on like the education side of it so in strictly in terms of school uh, I know it's like required in like especially the OTR program, but like, what's it like? Do you think you're? What are some of the cool things that you're learning too? I would like like to learn. Um, so like in my academic experience, um, we have learned that like the OT profession started in mental health, and I feel like some like especially I've read some a bunch of like research articles. I feel like we've struggled to like truly get back to that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this can be seen like what is currently like taught in schools. Like I don't remember much from the mental health units in OTA school, to be honest. Uh Um, Just like some few like concepts that like stuck in my head, such as mindfulness, CBT, and like how to incorporate like those into practice. Because I feel like you just talk about those so much. That's what stuck with me. Isn't a bad thing. The most common too. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. But so far, like in our mental health unit, we haven't talked about like, like today's like the last day of the mental health unit. And we haven't talked about like where mental health is like practiced. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like someone, there was a case study and there was a clubhouse in there. It was like a client like living in a club or in yeah. a clubhouse. And one of my like classmates was like, what's the clubhouse like and i realized like oh we never went over all of the different settings that mental health is practiced in and when doing research the other day i found like this article that says like only two to three percent of ot practitioners work exclusively in Mm. mental health settings due to like the lack of recognition and that's honestly like blew my mind because i feel like mental health is such like an important thing right and it made me realize that like we didn't even go over that yet in school. <laughs> yeah, we might next semester or something. But like so far in this mental health unit, with yeah, yeah, and I feel like we haven't like talked about like insurance yet mm-hmm. and, and like reimbursement. And like for example, I was talking about mental health in the skilled nursing facility, but the reality is, is insurance really going to pay for that? They're more concerned about how is this client like functioning with their ADLs and IADLs. Yeah. Um, So we're kind of just being taught like all of these different assessments, but like not really like when and where to do them. Yeah. We're just kind of associating them with like a diagnosis, like spinal cord injury. Right. Physical. We do this in. Yeah. So I feel like. I hope that's just more. I mean, we're still kind of early in the semester and there's still a couple more semesters. So yeah. I'm hoping, but. No, I think, no, it's a good thing that you're like looking forward to and like questioning. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like some, unfortunately one thing that's probably going on, like there's a lot that goes on to like healthcare system, politics, advocacy, you know, like 
a lot of things that are even out of her control. And yeah, it's really interesting how OT like kind of like was rooted in mental health. And a lot of it was like the settings too. Like we had like these like facilities and like larger, like large scale, like psychiatric, which we don't exist anymore. And like probably like a lot of it is like, a lot of it is like, it's not built into like the payments. Like if something at the end of the day, like if the patient's not going to get paid for it, then you can't do it. Like, you know, so it kind of like is difficult for us as OTs, right? Especially when we're like really like seeing they're affected by mental health, yet our hands are kind of tied and we can't really directly address that. And so we have to get creative, you know? So yeah. you can do an ADL, but also you can integrate mental health into it. And I think yeah. that's where OT is kind of cool is that you can like kind of provide a holistic thing. Like even if you spend like five minutes to teaching someone like how to breathe or like ask checking in with them and it's like, that's OT. It's like if it allows them to brush their teeth or like change, like, you know, it's part of the process, right? Like I struggle with it every day. Like sometimes I get so stressed and like angry. It's like at my dishes. It's like, what the heck? I just did this like five minutes ago. Where did these dishes come from? You know, it's just like, okay, stop, breathe, you know? So it's totally, yeah, I, I don't have the answer to that. And, and it's kind of like, I don't, I don't think, think anyone, anyone really does. does, but Things are moving in, I think, in the, this direction. Like some of like the advocacy in like what I'm seeing, like AOTA do, AOTA do. It's like, it's like small steps. And the tricky thing, unfortunately, is that like Medicare, Medicaid, like doesn't cover it. A lot of it is like based on the state practices, you know, and each state is very different. So, and like we don't have time to like necessarily research this. So that's why I think a lot of some of the resources out there, like on social media, um, are really, really helpful for us, like as practitioners, like, or even as students, like, so that's why I guess a tip is it's important to like join professional associations, you know, whether it be national states or local or wherever, like there's so much you can do with social media these days, like just following a really cool account can tell you like about these things that you wouldn't have otherwise like known so, or listening to a podcast, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> so I guess we're kind of coming up to the end of the podcast. Like time really flies. We cover it a lot. And I know. Any other closing thoughts that you have before we hit on um, our lightning questions? Um, just briefly, like everyone can struggle with mental health, and I've honestly, unfortunately, have seen it in some of like my fellow OT and OTA students. Mm. So if anyone out there is listening in OT or OTA school. Just please make sure you take care of your own mental health during school because um, we're often putting all of our normal occupations that we do on hold, such mm -hmm. as our work, leisure, sleep, social participation, in order to be in school. Yeah. So we're disrupting our routines and whatnot, and it can cause like a big, yeah, causing me anxiety. <laughs> yeah, like just talking so. about it. So let's. Would you like to answer some of the lightning questions? We have about a few I would minutes. I'd love left. to. And these are really fun because, like, I ask these to everybody. How would you describe OT to a stranger, Lindsay? So we actually worked on this in one of my classes. Every single week, we would describe how we would describe OT to like a stranger or a family member or insurances. Uh -huh. So my professor would be super proud of me, <laughs> Professor Monty. Um, how I would describe it is, uh, yes, <laughs> occupational therapists work with people from a variety of different backgrounds, ages, levels of independence, and abilities to complete meaningful tasks that they regularly participate in. These tasks or activities provide personal satisfaction, increase quality of life, and fulfillment. If someone is unable to complete a task that is important to them, occupational therapists break down the task to figure out where the client is having difficulty and how they're able to complete the task again. And working with the clients, we figure out their goals, what's important to them, and how they can complete their meaningful activities as independently as possible. And that's the main goal of occupational therapy. Yeah. It's built right into our profession's name, occupation. Like the therapy is yeah, to do exactly. occupation. So. Awesome. That's very beautifully said. I think that should be the new definition <laughs> that you see when you like for the flyers and pamphlets for like that, like um, for prospective OT students. Aona or something. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. 100 on that. <laughs> yeah. What would you say next question is your favorite occupation? Your own personal. Um, 
sleep, hands down. I look forward to just laying in bed, relaxing, and just shutting off the world every day. And I just love sleeping. <laughs> what is something that you have read lately or learned about, like in school or wherever, personal that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, I'm actually like really excited about this. We learned it last week. Um, it's called Sand Tray Therapy. Have you ever heard of this? Sand Tray. No. Interesting. Yeah. Um, we learned about it last week from a fellow 600 level student. That was their research that they were doing. And it's an emerging practice in OT. And to like describe it briefly, mm -hmm. um, Sand Tray Therapy like uses like little like miniature like objects, like a little like army man or a little house or a dog. Mm -hmm. and other like small toys to help people create like a world and reflect on it and express things that they might not otherwise be able to like express verbally um oh. so they do it like while they create this little world and it can be done like in groups or individually and i feel like it would be great to use with like any population my cohort well, cohort and i um did it ourselves professor was leading the group and we did it and at first i was like oh like playing in sand and little toys but it was actually like really reflective and mm -hmm. kind of have like unconscious like fears and thoughts like come to awareness when you pick out like certain little things and it's definitely something to look into i oh. really want to use it potentially in practice someday yeah and last question what would you say is the big takeaway from today's episodes in your opinion um in my opinion it's the takeaway would be just mental health is everywhere um, not just in settings that strictly focus on mental illness. It could be me, it could be you, anyone. Um, and it's OTs, it's something we can advocate for and educate the community about and anyone about. Just, you never know what anyone is going through. So just be kind and yeah, focus on your self-care and mental health. So thank you so much, Lindsay, for being on. I learned a lot from your experience, a lot of good insights and just uh, things to reflect on. And now I have some homework to do. Look at that sand, sand plate therapy. So, thank yeah, sand tray therapy. Oh, sand tray therapy. Cool. Well, good luck in your studies. And I hope to have you on again and learn about your transition too, maybe um, in from that to OTR. It's going to be really interesting because you have the experience of, of like all three, you know, like working in like ancillary, like emergency, like. And then like OTA, OTR. So love to have you back on. Good luck in your studies. Love to. Take you. care. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Have a good one.